0: Welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Chance, and my guest today is Brant Menzoir. He is a keynote speaker, award-winning musician, and author of the book Rock and Roll with It Overcoming the Challenge of Change. So Brant, thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks so much for having me, John. All right, so the question everybody wants to know, since I said in in your intro, award-winning musician. How does a rock and roll musician become a speaker and author?
1: Well, Well, when you realize you're getting too old to tour the country, uh, 120, 150 dates a year, and you uh, don't want to give up the stage, Uh, you transition to the world of keynote speaking. And so that's that's what it uh, sort of was for me. It was just 20 years in the music business uh, and not... Feeling or looking like uh, i 'm the eighty five year old that my inner self tells me that I am I had to had to make that change over to the speaking world and it 's been uh, it 's just been amazing since since it 's all happened
0: so let me ask you this if you um, because you spent so much time on stages with big audiences and you probably got used to that a little bit I mean a lot of people talk about speaking for the first time or first 20 times, you know, just being scared to death. Do you feel like you, that part was kind of gone for you? Yeah. I
1: never, even in this performing side on the band, you know, with, with big kettle drum, we, I never really experienced fear in that way. Um, I've always been, I would, I would describe it more as, Anticipation, um anxious. I want to I want to be up on the platform, I want to be performing or speaking, whatever it is. So most of that stuff for me happens before I'm on the stage. But once I'm there, uh it's probably the only area in my life that I'm a hundred percent present in the moment.
0: You know, when I first started speaking, I I, you know, a lot of times suffered from like a lot of people do, I'd never done it before. I knew I needed to do it, you know, for my business. And I remember sort of a if I felt like an overnight change almost that when I shifted my mindset to not being like, I'm up here performing, but I'm here to actually help these people um, that are here today. And some, it, it it like completely took away all the nerves for me. Yeah, I completely
1: agree with that. And for me, it was the difference of when I, when I shifted from, from thinking I was trying to sell them something to uh, I'm there to give them something. And, and when I made that shift, you know, I'm not trying to sell them on on how good the music is. I'm trying to give it away. And same with speaking, I'm not trying to sell them on, on anything uh, for them to buy. I'm trying to give away this knowledge that I've acquired over the years that I think might be helpful for them.
0: So you talk a lot about, it's not in the title of, of your book necessarily, but you talk a lot about purpose. Yes. Obviously, it's an important topic. Everyone's looking for it. What the heck is it really? I mean, seriously, there's so many books on purpose, Uh, so many speakers talking about purpose. Why aren't we getting it?
1: Well, because they're all wrong. Uh, That's that's ultimately the easiest way for me to answer that question. Um, You know, here's the problem. You know, you have someone like Simon Sinek come out with a book, Start With Why, and everybody jumps on the bandwagon. Um, And and it's just not true. You don't start with why, you start with what. You have to start with what are your non-negotiables? What are those core values, those five or six things that you cannot be moved from? If you do not do the work to define those things, before you choose your why, then your why is going to be wrong 100% of the time. And so for me, the reason that there's so many books and it's still Still really not having the transformation that it should have when you talk about purpose is because we don't really understand what purpose is. Actually, the the phrase I laugh all the time because the phrase on purpose, I think, is probably the mis, the most misused phrase in the English language, because in order to do something on purpose, you have to know what your purpose is. And I spend my life now on stages in front of thousands of people asking people. Raise your hand if you can tell me concisely in one or two sentences what is your life purpose, why did you choose it, and how do you live it out every day. And it's a fraction of a fraction of percent of people that actually raise their hand.
0: Yeah, it, it, but I think one. You know, I'm going to defend those people that didn't raise their hand. Um, partly because it's it's not cut and dried. It's not black and white. I mean, it, it's it's evolving. It's moving. It's like even even if you sat somebody down and said, I, b- I bet you people have trouble. Listing out their their non-negotiables, and and that should be easy, right? Oh but, yeah. But you know the world well, makes it, well, the world makes it hard. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not easy. I mean that's that's why we don't do
1: it. We don't do it for a couple reasons. Number one, it's often painful because you our our core values are developed over the course of our lifetimes and they rarely rarely change outside of a catastrophic event. Um, most people don't do the work to dig back through their history to figure out these, these things that matter most to them because it's laden with experiences that were painful. So core values aren't, aren't necessarily born out of happiness. Uh, they, they can be born out of, out of some really painful experiences. And so People don't want to do that. And the second reason is the minute that you do define these things and say, you know what, here are the five things, the five principles, the five core values um, that I'm that are going to guide my decisions and I'm going to live my life by, all of a sudden you have something to hold yourself accountable to. And we hate accountability. Uh, it's uh, as a people, uh, we want that radical freedom, right? We want the America. And it's just, uh, it, it's, it's so difficult for us to stay committed to the things that matter most when we don't know what they are. And that's part of the reason that we never take the time to actually define what they are in our lives because we don't want to feel bad if we say health is one of my core values and the alarm goes off at five o'clock in the morning and I, I slap it down and say, not today, Satan you know, uh, then am I a liar? Or am I lazy? And we don't want to be either one of those things. So rather than have to have that conversation with ourselves, we simply don't define those values.
0: Yeah, I think sometimes complacency or, you know, nothing's really broken badly, you know, is probably what leads people to that. But you made a really good point about how some of the people that have gotten the most on purpose have like almost lost it all. Um, Yeah, you know, what, I hate to say that we all need to go through that, but what, to what degree does sort of realizing I'm not going to live forever, you know, play a role in this? Uh, uh,
1: well, I think it definitely speeds up the, the desire. Um, you know, so let me say this. I feel like we all have an inherent desire to know what our purpose is. I, I think that's sort of pre-wired within us. But I also know that I'll, it, unless some catastrophic event comes along that sort of you're faced with mortality in some way, shape or form. Um, it's just, it's too easy to make excuses for, for me, uh, my son, my young, my oldest son at when he was 14 was diagnosed with a rare blood cancer. And, you know, we spent 263 days living in the hospital with him battling. And that experience certainly puts into perspective the things that matter most to you and, and provides you with a different way to look at life. And it wasn't until I went through that, that I really got serious about what purpose is and how do you actually engage it on a daily basis.
0: So I've heard you actually talk about, cause a lot of people, um, a lot of people talk about it. you have to find your purpose, and I've I've always said you know generally speaking, purpose finds you. Um, but you've actually even talked about it as you actually have to choose your purpose. Uh, unpack that for us.
1: Yeah. So for me, we've been misled the majority of our lives in thinking that purpose is something you have to go out and find. But it's it's in the defining of the core values that you can choose. Your purpose. So once you so for me, my my I have six core values that I live my life by. Right, they're creativity, hope, impact, empathy, family, and authenticity. I filter every decision I make in my life through those six things. Now my purpose, my purpose is actually to uh, to authentically provide. So the how I would describe it on a regular basis for me is to creatively impact people's lives by authentically providing hope. That's my purpose that I try to live out every day. Now, when you look at that, you'll see four of my six core values activated in that purpose. And that to me is what's missing. That's why there's so much confusion around purpose because purpose literally is the activation of your core values. So until you define what those are, it's impossible for you to to get to purpose. But once you do, You can speak them into existence. You can program them into your day. You choose when and where they appear, and that is when you start to experience transformation, which is what
0: purpose is all about. Well, I think that in listening to you just there, I think the challenge really is the brutal honesty that it takes to actually define those core values i mean it's really easy to come up with some sound good core values i mean i'll 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 throw one out for you not to challenge you on it but authenticity i mean that's one everybody has right you know but so few people actually live it (laughs) um yeah you know but it sounds good um and so you know how do we get past the sounds good exercise and and get to what's real
1: well it takes work right i mean that the truth is that when i when i do so I'll, I'll, I'll do these workshops where I help people define their, their core values. It's a five week program that sometimes, you know, when I'm hired, I, they give me an hour, uh, which is just a, an impossible task, but, but we can at least start the conversation and the conversation that we have to start is typically what happens is I put a, a the lowest hanging fruit I can, which is here's a list of 150 values commonly held. Circle the ones that that speak to you, and and what I end up finding is that if I'm in a room of 100 people, 95 of them circle more than 30 words. Uh, so the, the the challenge is, and this is really to your question, separating what's important from us from our non-negotiables is really hard work when you've got a lot of things that are important to you, and that's that's where the challenge lies is it takes time you have to prove that they're real and what i find most people do is they give me two or three that that are honest and real and they give me two or three that are aspirational values they're who they want to be but they're not who they are
0: well is there anything wrong with that though i mean can you sort of aspire to a non-negotiable that you know maybe because of society or because the way you were raised you know didn't
1: develop early so what i would say i don't know if there's anything wrong with it but it's not reality. And so you, if you're living your life based on something that's false, uh, you're, you, there is no proof. So part of the, part of the thing for me is once you give me or I help you define whatever those five are going to be, you spend two weeks in something that I call archaeology where you start digging through your day for proof. And if the, if two or three of the things that you say are your non-negotiables don't show up, then my guess is they're not, actual non-negotiable. They're not one of your core values. They may be something that's important. Yes. But they're definitely not these things that you are going to live your life by. And so what ends up happening is we either look, pick and choose a different value that is showing up that didn't make the list for whatever particular reason, or we do something that I like to call leveling up. So if somebody says to me, look, um, family for my core values, Faith is one of my core values. Community is one of my core values. Well, what ends up happening is if you look at those things, you start to realize that maybe it's something more like connection. Connection encompasses all of those things, whether it's spiritually, physically, relationship wise. So maybe we have to level up to get a larger umbrella so that you are encompassing more things. And so it takes time, it takes weeks of doing that. And really, it takes a good four, five, six months before you can honestly say you own those values and you know they're real and you have proof and no one needs to believe you when you
0: have proof and that's the goal. And now a little word from our sponsor. Intercom wants more of the nice people visiting your website to give you money. So they took a little chat bubble in the corner of a website and packed it with conversational bots, product tours, NPS surveys, all sorts of things that amplify your team and help you reach more nice people. Intercom customer Unity got 45% more loyal users with Intercom in just 12 months. Go to intercom.com slash podcast to start making money from real-time chat. Then see everything else Intercom can do. That's intercom.com slash podcast yeah I think one. i I work with a lot of entrepreneurs and and a lot of folks that you know they're trying to hustle and make their way and get this business thing going and um it, it's it's funny how kind of in those moments they can sort of get pushed out of who they really are and and turn around and go you know i yeah what happened <laughs> you know and um is that sure I mean, is that how like these are not bad people these are people that have these core values but in the moment get pushed sort of away from them um, and how do, so, so so how do we in the heat of the moment, so to speak, I mean how do we stop from screwing up? Well, they lost the tug of war, right? I mean so so at the
1: center of those struggles when what you just described is a tug of war between our values and our feelings. Uh, our feelings are monsters. I mean they are incredibly powerful things that can change, Uh, any scenario in in a wrong direction so quickly that the only way to battle it is to truly define and own those five or six things that you know for sure are those non-negotiables, those core values. So for me, by defining what those things were, it made my life so much easier because sometimes my emotions got in the way. Sometimes I'm all hot and bothered over the way somebody spoke to me. And I and to be able to sit there and go, is this impacting me creatively? You know, is it taking away my hope? Is it challenging my impact? If it's not doing any of the six things, if it's not offending any of those six things, then I can let it go and not think about it. But when we don't define those things, we can never put a finger on it. So it makes it really hard to let it go.
0: Yeah. So then when the, I'm not really good enough, I'll never make enough money. Um, I'll never be successful. When those thoughts come up, <laughs> you know, you've got something to push them away, don't you? It,
1: it's absolutely true. And, and, you know, I, there's a lot of books out there about sort of this, you know, imposter syndrome and, and, you know, the, the negative self-talk and self-sabotage. And, and a lot of these, these books recommend you sort of, pushing those away and, and ignoring those. And, and, you know, where I come, where I come from, that's, that's the worst thing you can do. You want to talk about giving that, that voice more power in your life, pretend it's not there. Um, what, what I always say in those scenarios is whenever I have a thought that's really negative, that's, that's impacting me that way. Um, I give that, I give that voice a seat on the bus, but, but that voice is never going to touch the wheel i I drive the bus, but I will happily give them a seat on the bus, and I'll ask them one question always: What makes it okay for you to talk to me that way? <laughs> what happened? There has to be a reason that you think it's okay for you to talk to me that way, and what I come to find out is, is that it's buried in a lot of emotional garbage that should just be pushed aside, but at the at the center of whatever that negative thought is, is some real truth. And so I have to be able to get to that truth and accept it for what it is. Thank them, give them that opportunity to share the voice, which actually takes their power away. And then say, go back to the, go, go back and sit down in your seat in the back of the bus. Thank you very much. I'm going to continue to drive forward in the direction I want to go to. Um, but most of us, simply hand the hand the wheel over to that voice and say you steer for a while and before you know it we're really off path of where we want to go to in our lives.
0: So if I bring Brant into my life is there a the five step, you know, here's how we would here's how we would choose purpose, you know, we're going to do step 1 then step 2. I mean, is there I'm not trying to oversimplify, but is there sort of sure. sort of a process?
1: Yes. Yeah, well, absolutely. And it, and it's a multifaceted process because some of us get there in different ways. Um you know, to start the conversation, looking at a list of words is fine, but it's never going to be deep enough to really get to the truth. Um, but it's definitely a great place to start. One of the one of the things that I always encourage people to do is to make a list of their favorites. What's your favorite song? What's your favorite movie? What's your favorite food? What's your favorite smell? Um, because our favorites are clear indicators of some of those. Uh, core values that we possess they are our favorites because they're scratching the itch of one or more of our core values so it's a it's a easy fun way to sort of get to some some answers that you can start to dive deeper into
0: yeah that um that makes a ton of sense so uh i I, my favorite band big kettle drum all day long Uh, (laughs) yes baby (laughs) um so all right so so then how do we go to work on those though? You know, okay, so now I got the list. I mean I got something to yeah. that tells me something, but you know, now it's Monday morning again.
1: <laughs> yeah, so here's the here's the big difference, right? Here's the transformation. And uh, this is where honest to God my life changed a year ago. Um so I've been teaching this for a number of years, but I never really experienced the power of of defying these things and owning them until I read an article uh just just about a year ago uh, that was on uh Gary Vanderchuk was in the New York Times and and the title of the article said future jets owner blah 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 well if you if you're familiar with Gary V in any way, shape, or form, you know that his life's purpose is to own the New York Jets. That's all he wants to do. Every, everything he does is is in alignment with that goal. Um, In the article, they interviewed Gary's brother. And the journalist said, you know, I have to tell you, it's a little strange talking to Gary because he just he speaks about this like it's going to happen. It's like it's a that's a foregone conclusion. And Gary will tell you he's going to work till he's 68. He's going to make a couple billion dollars. He's going to buy the New York Jets. They're going to go to eight Super Bowls. They're going to win six and he's going to die. And then like he, he has it all planned out. And and the funny thing for me was the, the the answer the brother gave is what changed everything for me. He said, of course, he's going to speak it into existence. And when I read that, I, I found the missing link. You see, defining your values, proving that they're real is one thing, but speaking them into existence is something else. And so what happened was... We went from developing this archaeology, where you start digging through your day looking for proof that they're real, into a programming of your values. Literally speaking, them into existence. So what we do is we sit down with the people when they're done, and we look at their calendar and we look at their schedule for the day, and we say, "Where are you going to program these values to appear?" So if I had a meeting with with you, John, um, at two o'clock today, and I knew that you were going through something uh, that was that was maybe in your personal life that was a little bit rough, uh, while empathy being one of my core values. If you look at my calendar, you would see the word empathy written next to the appointment time, because I am going to speak that value into existence when I talk to you. And so I start programming these values into my day so that they appear. Since I've started doing that, my entire life has been accelerated at such a rate. I went from, you know, speaking pretty pretty uh, at a decent clip to an article coming out naming me one of the top 10 uh, motivational speakers in the country. I have no idea how I made that list, but I believe in my heart of hearts that it's because I started speaking my values into existence. All of a sudden my fees triple, um I I have a new book coming out, all these things happening because people are seeing these things that I say matter most. I don't have to to do anything other than know that I, if I program them into my day, there's no question as to whether or not people are going to have an experience with me. Uh, and the control freak in me absolutely loves that ability to speak those things into existence because in reality, I never have to compromise.
0: I, I love that idea. I mean, because... You know, calendar is something we all habitually do anyway. <laughs> so to that's ex- exactly to right. actually then add that, you know, is not going to be too much of a stretch maybe for people. I love that.
1: Absolutely. Super powerful and easy. And that's the that's the goal.
0: So, Brent, where can people find out more about you and your work and your books? And, of course, Spotify, Spotify is one of the places, right? Yeah. For Big Kettle
1: Drum, anywhere you grab music, we've got Spotify – Channels. We've got Pandora channels. Uh, we've done it long enough to to have at least that level of success where you can actually find us uh, outside of our website. Um, for me personally, anything on the speaking side, anything on the values purpose side, it's all under Uh That's where you can find links to rock and roll with it, in the book, but the new book uh, right now is going to be called Black Sheep. And that comes out in October of next year. But um, I am incredibly excited about that book because it literally spells out exactly how to do the things you and I just spent the last 20 minutes talking about.
0: Awesome. Well, Brant, it was great of you to stop by. And uh, I know I'm going to see you soon, but hopefully uh, we'll run into you out there on the road.
1: Love it. Thanks so much, John. Appreciate it.